Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. This is the third of nine Beatitudes. And I am convinced that this one says way more than what meets the eye. Which honestly is true for just about most of the Bible. The longer we sit with it, Scripture reveals itself to us in new and fresh ways. That is especially true with this beatitude. There was a great Trappist monk and spiritual writer. You've probably heard the name Thomas Merton. He loved the Beatitudes. So just so you know, you may know the name but not know the full story of him. Merton spent 27 years in a monastery, praying for hours a day, writing essays on life and God, walking through the woods, and eventually living in a hermitage at, at one with creation, completely off the grid and self-sustaining. Honestly, it sounds great. In his teachings... He says that meek is the biblical equivalence to our word for nonviolence. Instead of praising the proud, the arrogant, or the violent, Merton thought what Jesus was doing was lifting up the humble, the lowly, the gentle. And I agree. I mean, this fits perfectly with the first two Beatitudes. Jesus takes the poor in spirit. He blesses those who mourn. And now he holds the lowly and the nonviolent meek and blesses them. But Merton also says that Jesus' gentleness is like our understanding of what active nonviolence, like the kind of Gandhi or Martin Luther King Jr., it's a force of love and truth in the Spirit of God that transforms life and seeks to transform the world through nonviolence. Now that I can understand and get with. Meekness, not power. Humility, not pride. Gentleness, not force. That's what births new life and transforms the world. To see meekness as active nonviolence, and it really adds depth to this beatitude. Now we know that Jesus is speaking to the down and out, the lowly and downtrodden. We know that he is naming their political and social realities in the Sermon on the Mount. We know that he's even challenging the occupation of Rome and the legitimacy of Caesar's notion of blessing throughout the entire sermon. So if Merton is right, then we know that Jesus is also blessing those who choose to live nonviolently as their life ethic. Changes the way you read the text when you hear it that way. To be meek is to be actively nonviolent, even in the face of oppression. Now, needless to say, Jesus is saying a lot in these short amount of words. And I think that's what's so cool about Scripture. The words have such depth and meaning to them. And when you dive into the biblical text and you start looking around, it really transports you. Let me show this to you again, but just from another angle. The Greek word for meek 
is praus or praus. If you transliterated it, you would write it P-R-A-U-S. It only appears three times in the New Testament, here in the Beatitudes, and then again on Palm Sunday when Jesus is riding a donkey into the Jerusalem city gates. Zechariah is being quoted by Matthew, and we're told that Jesus is going to be this king who will come humble riding on a donkey. 1 Peter, in chapter 3, verse 4, also uses this word, and it gets translated gentle. I even checked 26 other English translations of Matthew 5, 5, and 14 of them use the word meek, 8 use the word humble, and 4 more use the word gentle. So I guess you could translate praus or preus as blessed are the gentle, blessed are the humble, blessed are the meek. And here's the thing. When you start going down these word studies, these rabbit holes of meaning, and the Holy Spirit starts to get involved. When we internalize a biblical world and what it means within its context and how it enhances and changes the energy of the people and the characters in the passage, that's when the Spirit shows up. Let me show it to you in a different way. When I brought this Greek word into our English lexicon, you'll see that meek has a sad connotation to it. I mean, Merriam-Webster's dictionary uses this as the definition. Meek is the endurance of pain with patience. Another way you could say it is, the deficiency in spirit or in courage. I mean, this kind of forces you to ask the question, could the Beatitudes be saying, blessed are you who endure pain with patience? Now that changes the way you read the text. Blessed are those who carry deficiency in courage. I like that version too. I mean, these definitions help us to start to really grapple with the context of the scene. I mean, think about what a young teenage father who goes to work every day trying to provide. He doesn't try to fight the system. He doesn't resist. He's a nobody from nowhere. But he cares for his family. He tries to make ends meet, but he just can't. Think about what he hears when Jesus says, Blessed are you, young dad, who's meek, who's humble, who's gentle, who's nonviolent. You will inherit the earth. Your striving and hoping have a place with me. My kingdom is for you. I mean, the Jewish people are like this young father, down and out. They aren't middle class there's no middle class in first century Palestine. They don't have discretionary spending. They don't have double income, no kids. It's nothing like that. They have no money. They're taxed by both the religious elite and then also the Roman elite. Their entire way of being is occupied by a foreign adversary and then their access to any and all public services is funneled through the people who are occupying them. Israel is powerless, which is another great word when you're translating meek. 
If you go to the Koine Greek Dictionary, one of the third and fourth definitions of meek is powerless, which shows us that Jesus' third beatitude is not only identifying with those in pain or lacking courage or actively living nonviolently. All of that is true, but Jesus is also calling out the power dynamics that have put these people into powerless positions. And he blesses the meek. He blesses those who are crippled by a society that doesn't see their worth. Let me say more about that. The entire Jewish community, their way of living is being occupied by a foreign adversary. And Rome has taken everything from them. They have no power. And this is more than just poverty we're talking about. Israel is in a caste society. And the upper crest of that society is the great political machine that we know as the great Roman Empire. It has all the power. It has all the land. And if you fall out of line, if you disobey, if you make a fuss or a stir or challenge the status quo, or if you try to challenge Caesar or refuse to pay homage to their kingdom, then you are punished for it. And if you did it too often... You were crucified for it. Jesus died by the hands of the government by way of capital punishment. There's no way else to read that. He was killed, though, alongside hundreds more. He wasn't the only one who died. He was just one of many who challenged the system. Many more died before him, and many more were crucified after him. If you stepped out of line... Rome could and would crucify you for it. And yet Jesus is saying, blessed are the actively nonviolent. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who have their courage taken from them. Blessed are those for they will inherit the earth. And this is what I mean by there is so much more here than what we initially see. Because when you open yourself up to the Spirit guiding you through these definitions, all of a sudden, more bursts off the page and we start seeing the gospel in new and fresh ways. At the very beginning of this sermon series, I told you that the Sermon on the Mount was a political stump speech. And I think you can start to see why I said that here, especially when you bring in the motivational clause, for you will inherit the earth. That's a wonderful phrase, but what does it mean? Jesus is quoting Psalm 37, 11, The humble shall have their land for their own. I think everyone on the countryside would have been familiar and would have recognized this song. This is, of course, though, a huge point of irony. A huge turning point would have been noticed by those who had ears to hear. In Jesus' day, nobody possessed land except by violence, by oppression, 
by holding on to it and then making all the peasants who worked it pay their portion at harvest time. I mean, even Israel had to fight their way into the promised land and kill people in order to claim it. Jesus is turning this around and saying, we're not going to do this anymore. This is not how you inherit land. If you little ones, it's you, the peasants, who are finally going to possess this earth. Blessed are the meek, for you will inherit the earth. I mean, you can hear the critique that Jesus has in his voice here. He is calling out the political system. Rome will not get to occupy the land that we know as the kingdom of God. The humble will. The powerless will. Israel will. Jesus is redefining the meaning of what land is here. And he's building on what every Jew would have already known. In the Hebrew scriptures, the Bible that Jesus knew as his own, it teaches that only God possesses land. I mean, read Psalm 24.1 or Leviticus 25.23. In the year of Jubilee, all the land is to be given back to its original occupants. I mean, read Leviticus 25. It's all in there. It's as if Jesus is telling this countryside, this crowd, this powerless group of Jews, that with God, they're going to experience jubilee. Imagine the balm this must have been to their soul. Blessed are the meek means that those without power will inherit all the power. There's one more layer to this verse that I need you to see. A few months ago, we introduced our kids to the movies that shaped our lives, the especially Disney movies that we grew or we watched growing up. So we showed them Pocahontas. As we were watching it, I've seen this movie dozens of times. But as we were watching it, I heard something that I had never heard before. Maybe my soul is just now ready to hear it. It was the depth found in the lyrics to the song, The Colors of the Wind. It goes like this. I'm not going to sing it to you. But, but this is Pocahontas singing to John Smith, who just arrived on the shores of what is now America, thinking that he could just occupy the land. This was her song to him. You think I'm an ignorant savage. And you've been so many places, I guess it must be so. But still, I cannot see if the savage one is me. How can there be so much that you don't know? You think you own whatever land you land on. The earth is just a dead thing you can claim. But I know every rock and every tree and every creature has a life, has a spirit, has a name. When I heard that line, I perked up. My soul started hearing what came next. You think the only people who are people are the people who look like you. But if you walk the footsteps of a stranger, you'll learn things you never knew. Have you ever heard the wolf cry to the blue corn moon? Or asked the grinning bobcat why he grinned? Can you sing with all the voices of the mountain 
Can you paint with the colors of the wind? Come run the hidden pine trails of the forest. Taste the sun-sweet berries of the earth. Come roll in all the riches all around you. And for once, never wonder what they're worth. You can hear, you can feel the passion of planet Earth in these words. The rainstorm and the river are my brothers. The heron and the otter are my friends. And we are all connected to each other in a circle, in a hoop that never ends. This song is about as close to the gospel as you're going to get without being the gospel. We are all connected to each other. And we are connected through the earth, through the land, in a circle, in a hoop that never ends. I love this. And this is how the song comes to an end. You can own the earth, and still all you'll own is earth, until you can paint with all the colors of the wind. That's a dang good last line. I read you this song because it has tremendous gospel undertones to it and because it summarizes what this beatitude entails. It's the lowly who inherit the earth. The occupiers, the destroyers, the John Smiths of the world, they do not. You can own the earth and all you're going to own is just more earth. That is quite the line. And you'll just own it until you can learn to paint with all the colors of the wind. Jesus is painting with all the colors of the wind here. He's lifting up the lowly. He's promising them that they will occupy the land. And not by force. They'll do it nonviolently, lovingly. He wants them to be actively nonviolent. He's encouraging all of us to do the same. We are caretakers of this land. We are co-creators of the kingdom of God on this earth. I mean, honestly, this single beatitude, it may be the most important verse for understanding and believing and participating in what our role is in creation care. If I were running an environmental agency, this verse would be my mission statement. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And we're called to this lifestyle and this ethic too. I know you can make all the necessary connections from this verse to today. There's so many. Just jump in there. Look around and let the Spirit guide you in your own life. Because Jesus is flipping the paradigm of power and order on its head. And he is handing the greatest commodity of all land to those who are weak, powerless, and nonviolent. Welcome to what the kingdom of God looks like on earth. It's for the meek, and they're going to inherit all of it.